0: friends, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free bereaved parent retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 137, which is a continuation of my conversation with Joe and Carolyn Bunker. If you missed last week's episode, you'll want to go back to hear the story of their son, Matthew, who died during a backcountry skiing incident on Mount Rainier in June of 2020, and to hear about the quitclaim deed the bunkers had signed two decades earlier, committing all they owned to the Lord, including their precious son. We'll be sharing a wide-ranging discussion today of issues faced by bereaved parents, including some very practical advice for those moms and dads who may find themselves at the very beginning of their grief journey. We will pick up the interview right where we left off last week. So it's been about two and a half years now uh, since Matthew went to heaven. How has your grief evolved over that time?
1: Jill, somewhere along the line, somebody had said that the loss of a child, it can quite often take five years to get over. We're halfway towards that, that five years, and Carolyn and I are... <laughs> Under the conclusion already that your grief will never end
0: That's when right. you
1: lose a child. Yeah. Um,
0: Whoever said that five-year thing had not lost a child, I can assure you. <laughs> that. Exactly. Exactly.
1: I, I lost my 95-year-old mother about three months after Matthew died. Mm-hmm. and And we had been expecting my mom to go home to jesus for the previous year or two it it just it wasn't a real big surprise and plus she was 95 it's like the last decade of her life was just this wonderful bonus decade with but you always expect your your parents to to die and as husband and wife, you might not talk about it a whole lot, but we both kind of know that more than likely one of us is going to end up a, a widower someday. Sure. Um, but you don't expect your your children to predecease you, mm-hmm. and and that grief it has decreased in the last two and a half years. It is not as sharp as it it was. And I think it's really important that, that you have to move forward. Mm -hmm. That was had its challenges, but I think we've been moving forward.
2: I think it is important to take the time to grieve and to not recover or move forward really fast, but to take the time to process how life has changed. And so at the beginning that grief is just right in front of you. Yes. You can't turn your head without seeing and feeling that grief. But as time goes on, as you study, as you stay in God's word, and as you, we immediately decided to go through counseling um, because we had not.
1: Lost a child before. Right, exactly. (laughs) This
2: was a new thing for us, and we weren't especially happy about it, but we knew we needed somebody to guide us through this. Mm -hmm. And we had also seen Um, other, oddly enough, we do know a number of people who've lost a child. And we had seen other situations that weren't positive, shall we say? Yeah. And um, we just knew we needed help to get through this and we wanted to get through it together. And so I'll say that through the different things, we also did a grief share, um, the grief share program and the counseling and we acquired a lot of books. I can't say that we read a lot of them because <laughs> I found it hard to concentrate on anything yes. of any substance. I did read pieces of some of them, and somebody gave us a devotional book. Um, was the Billy Graham devotional. It
1: was a Billy Graham, Graham that was uh, 365 mm-hmm. a three hundred and sixty-five day, and and we started to get in the habit that before our praying in the evening, that we would read a page from that every night. And we probably did that for almost two years. Yeah.
2: But all these things that you do, it it helps you. I, I don't want to say heal is not the right word, but it helps you move forward. Mm-hmm. And so that pain is not right out in front of you, but it, it's, it's on the side or in the back of your head all the time, that awareness that, that things are different. It also was um, God was gracious that Matthew did not live at home with us, and so we don't have that bedroom necessarily to walk by. We have all of his things here now, yeah. Um, but we don't we don't have that expectation that you know he'll come down the stairs in the morning. Sure. So a lot of things God was gracious and allowed us to work through, and he provided for other things for us which has helped us continue to move forward as as we talked about you know you don't really heal you just keep moving forward and it's not quite as sharp that pain is it
0: yeah we like to kind of um distinguish between moving on which a lot of people seem to think that we who are grieving the loss of our children need to quote unquote move on because I don't think we do move on, but we do and we can and should move forward.
1: Okay.
0: And and I think that doesn't mean we're we're getting over it. It doesn't mean we're leaving our grief behind. We're moving forward and carrying our grief with us. Um, And we like to remind parents that as we move forward, we're not moving farther from our children. We're moving closer because they're ahead of us. Mm -hmm. We're not leaving them behind. So I love the use of moving forward, like you're saying. Thank you for using that phrase. Um, So what advice we kind of discussed that a little bit just in the answer you just gave, but is there any specific advice you would give to somebody who has just recently lost their child that maybe is in the first weeks or months after their loss?
1: We made the decision just a, a, a few days after. After his memorial service, I looked at Carolyn and said, what do you think of counseling? And she said, I think that's a really good idea. And yeah. we found a, an amazing Christian counselor who guided us for about the next year. And initially, I think it might have been about every other week. And the last couple of times, it might have only been about once a month. Most of the time it was together. There were a few times where I went by myself as I was trying to work through some other things uh, from from my military past that were related to Matthew's death, um, at least in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and and the the counselor uh, really was very helpful with that. Neither one of us had e- ever. Into to counseling before mm-hmm. and it, 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 we just kind of instinctively knew mm. that this is probably a really good idea and looking back at it i would just highly recommend it that that go find a really good counselor who understands things from a from a christ-centered perspective yeah. um, something else which I, I don't remember who suggested this to us, but uh, about a month after Matthew's death, somebody said, go get away mm-hmm. and just go away for a few days. Mm-hmm. And, and we were gone, I think, three nights and we, we went someplace just two or three hours away and it was a place that did not have a lot of memories with the family.
2: It was a new place. To it
1: know. it it was pretty much a new place. Uh, we had camped nearby once with with Matthew, but uh, for the most part, it, it was a new place. And you could kind of feel things start start to turn. I mean, it, especially since Matthew's death was so sudden. Um, I know I had anger, <laughs> especially sure. the first several days. That that fortunately the Lord has has helped <laughs> work me through. Mm-hmm. Used
2: um, our counselor
1: and and, <laughs> and with the counselor, but um, to get away for a few days was very helpful. And something else that that was helpful for us is um, exercise. Mm-hmm. Carolyn and I ride a tandem bicycle together, and we more than doubled the number of miles that year. Now. Between COVID and Matthew's death, um, I was not working. Yeah. Um. So that gave us more time, but we actually got out the door and got the bike ready and got on the bike and would go ride twenty miles, <laughs> and wow. and to go do something physical mm-hmm. was was helpful for us. But the number one thing. Jill, for us, was every morning, we would come downstairs and Carolyn would make the coffee. And I've been known to say that after Matthew's death, I very much ran toward the Lord.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: There was a time in my past where when I saw a lot of death, I ran away from the Lord. Sure. And, And that does not work. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the hard way. Mm-hmm. And when Matthew died, we would sit down here in the morning. <laughs> we probably averaged almost two hours. And there were days I th- that not many, but there was the occasional day where we'd still be here at noon.
2: Wow. Because Just, we could. it was COVID and, and, and we needed and, the time.
1: It was the only thing that was truly bringing us comfort, bringing us peace. By reading God's word, by diving into it, it was bringing peace. And Carolyn has always been much more dedicated with her morning quiet time. And since becoming empty nesters, I had at least become somewhat better at it. Mm -hmm. Um, um, A new pastor at our church had challenged a couple of years before Matthew died to read through the Bible. And I I had read lots of sections. I had read the New Testament a a few times, but I never read cover to cover. And I wasn't quite To the point where I thought I could do it in a year. So I did a two year plan. (laughs) And I distinctly remember calling Matthew the February before he died. So about four or five months before he died. And we were just talking, just visiting. And one of the things that came up in the conversation was Matthew, I finished reading through the Bible. I had finished my two-year plan. It took two years and almost uh-huh. two months. <laughs> and he was so encouraging. Dad, that's great. Congratulations. And I don't know how many times he had read through the Bible. He he quite by accident in about the third grade had become a speed reader. Huh. And he could read over 100 pages an hour. And like Carolyn said before, he was a deep thinker. And here he was cheering on his dad and congratulating me. And those are precious words to me now. Um, And some of the other things that we learned about our son's faith walk after he died. One was very simple. It was literally just, I think, two, three days after we got the phone call and, and one of our daughters had, you know, friends are just kind of swinging by one of the, the friends swings, swings by. And I really, I don't think I knew the person, maybe I met him at the wedding, but after our daughter's wedding, which was 10 months before Matthew died, Mm -hmm. Matthew had to drop somebody off at the airport and in the process, he's picking up somebody else from an Airbnb and he he stops by very early in the morning to pick this person up from, from the Airbnb and the person gets in the car and Matthew doesn't move the car and they're holding a cup of coffee and the the guy's like, I'm ready to go. And Matthew turns around and looks at him and says, where's that coffee mug from? And the guy's like, inside the Airbnb. And Matthew just sat there and didn't do anything. And and he's like, I'm ready to go. And Matthew's like, go take the coffee mug back in the house. Wow. And he's like, really? <laughs> and and <laughs> Matthew's like, yeah, really? And mm-hmm. he took the coffee mug back inside the Airbnb and came back out. Matthew started up the car and off they went. Mm. Um I would have never done anything like that when I was 28 <laughs>
0: years old. No, wow, but that's not, that's not a lot of integrity.
1: Was, right. Not only was Matthew looking for honesty within himself, but he wanted the honesty of from the people around him, and sure. and we were just kind of blown away by that uh, that story. Um,
2: I want to backtrack just a minute. You were talking about what advice? Yes. I will say that praying and reading were very hard
0: mm, Yeah.
2: in those first weeks. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It just meant that you needed to get back in the habit. Mm. And it's okay to acknowledge that those things are hard. A lot of people would text me scripture or I would find a verse that really stuck out in me. And I'm not a writer. I Journaling has never been something I... Was good at. And, mm-hmm. but I did take that note function on my phone and I would jot down scripture that, that meant something to me and I put the date by it. And so going back and looking through that scripture and what was going on at that time has been so powerful for me. And oddly enough, it actually brings a smile to my face when I look back through that and see those things. And yeah. I, I don't, there's not a lot written by it or anything like that. I would just say so-and-so texted, you know, whatever scripture and and put the passage down. But to, to see that progression of the, the need that I had for some really um, strong scripture to the scripture that related joy just weeks mm-hmm. later
1: mm-hmm.
2: has been very encouraging and a great reminder for me that we do progress. we, do move forward.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see your own progress and that's a great way to measure it.
2: Yes. And, you know, not being a writer, just writing down those few notes in my phone with those scripture passages were very, very important to me as I look back and just staying in scripture. You just, you just have to, you have to make yourself because that's the only place you're going to find real comfort. Mm
1: -hmm. That is is so true. they're, they're it, it's only in God's word that we have truly had any peace with any of this. And, and talking about jotting things down, I might embarrass my wife here a little bit with sharing uh-uh. this, but, but <laughs> I joked, jotted something down about a week after Matthew's memorial service. I immediately gravitated to the book of Job in the Bible. And as we would sit here and have our morning quiet time, we wouldn't talk much, but occasionally one of us would say something. And I wrote down something Carolyn said about a week after his memorial service. Carolyn said, Job, like grief, is long and hard, and we don't understand it, and we want it to end. Mm. And that was true. A week after his memorial service and it's still true now. Yeah. Job is still difficult. (laughs) Yes. Uh And, and grief is still difficult. But again, it's, it's not, it's not as sharp as it was two and a half years ago. And God continues to, uh, to be gracious and, Mm -hmm. and to grant us his peace. And I know for me personally, uh, understanding that Christian principle of stewardship um, and understanding that Matthew never belonged to us, that we were only appointed as his stewards. That principle has really helped in comforting us and and having contentment, and through that contentment, knowing God's peace.
2: I want yeah. to put another plug in for something else that has helped me a lot. Shortly after we moved here, maybe two years later, some uh, a couple and their children moved here, and we ended up becoming very close friends with them. And when the The wife brought a program. Um, She brought Moms in Prayer, which actually was Moms in Touch then. She brought Moms in Prayer to our school. And I'd heard Mm -hmm. about them on Focus on the Family. And I was so excited. And so from probably the time that Matthew was in second grade or so until not too long ago. Well,
1: through college and beyond.
2: Right. um, I have been part of a Moms in Prayer group praying for him. And our other children, our girls, um, and all those prayers that we prayed for him as a group, all the time, all of the details that you go into and all the fruits of the spirit that you pray for them have been answered. Yeah. And that's such a comfort to see see God work through that and Mm -hmm. to know that those moms that prayed with me. That we prayed together that we have that bond of praying for each other's children. They're like my children. And so I know that Matthew was like their child also. Mm. And God knows that we need those prayers. Yes. Have folders and folders of moms and prayer sheets of the verses that we prayed for our kids. And it's such a treasure.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: God is yeah. so gracious.
0: Yes. And we can trust him with our children. His children. <laughs> yes. exactly. Thank you for that correction. Yes. Because of that quit claim deed, you know, whether you actually have a written quit claim deed or, or you have just given your kids to the Lord, you know, they are. They're his. So, right. yeah, <laughs> exactly. So at our retreats, we often talk about how men and women tend to grieve differently. How have the two of you all grieved differently or, or alike? And how are you working through that together? I I can already tell, I know you have spent a lot of time reading the Word together. So that, I'm sure, has been a huge part of keeping your relationship strong.
2: We do grieve differently. You're right.
1: Mm -hmm. And we are very grateful that that was pointed out to us very Mm. early in in the process. Not only did we start counseling within a week or two after his memorial service, but I the The church where we were meeting the the counselor, one of their pastors on staff was was the counselor. They were just starting the grief share, like two or three weeks later, and they recommended that we take that. And that was one of the very first things that I think somebody at grief share also pointed out to us. And and I especially for a husband and wife, but for everybody to understand. Grief is a very deep, deep emotion. And you do grieve differently as as a man, as a father, especially when I learned a little bit more of what happened on that mountain that day and just where they were and just how challenging of a place on the mountain where they were. I, I was furious. I, Mm -hmm. I stormed out of the house in anger and I screamed at the Lord. I screamed at him and I think I screamed at Matthew too. Mm -hmm. And it, it took me a few days to calm down. And it was before the memorial service, (laughs) because there was about a week in there. But I spent about four or five days where where I got angry. And finally, God just kind of, he calmed me down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it, it, it was after another sleepless night. And I was out walking in the very early dawn. And I ended up on the on the church steps as as this beautiful sunlight started to form on the eastern horizon. And, and it was like God speaking to me saying, I got this, Joe. Yeah, I have this. Trust me. And if, if you've shown anger, I haven't seen it yet. I mean. <laughs> But, but yeah, so that's one way that I displayed it. And, and I occasionally still feel it Mm -hmm. trying to bubble up to the surface and I have to squash it down very quickly because I understand now that, that that's the devil just messing with me Mm -hmm. that, that Matthew's in heaven. Mm -hmm. And the Lord called him home early and the Lord brought him safely off of mountains, dozens and dozens and dozens of times before. And if our all powerful God wanted Matthew safely off the mountain that day, he would have brought him safely off the mountain. Yes. And God's purposes are so much bigger than our purposes. And And we have to trust God, and we have to be faithful.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for sharing so honestly about your struggles with anger, because I know that's something that many grieving parents uh, go through. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. I think all of us who have experienced the loss of a child have this very sharp dividing line in our lives, almost like a fault line, <laughs> where th- there's the before and the after. Talk about the before, Joe and Carolyn, and the after, Joe and Carolyn.
1: Yes, um, I have noticed that I have been been more purposeful. I guess is a a, a good way of of saying it. In Steering the conversation towards the gospel, yeah. um, especially around non-believers. And I will quite often not bring up the topic, but in in my profession, as you meet so many new people, it's, it's quite often a, the question pops up, how many children do you have? And mm, the first couple yes. of times I got that, it's like, I'm like, what do I say? And the words that came out of my mouth were, I have three children. Mm-hmm. And our oldest went home to the Lord a couple of years ago. And you, you get some pretty astonishing looks. And, mm-hmm. and and then you share the gospel. And you talk about how he was walking with the Lord. and Some people are more polite than others, and some people shut you down fast, but it's kind of odd, and I'm not sure why this happened, but the last year or so of Matthew's life, I felt moved as we were praying for Matthew. For some reason, I felt moved to pray for his boldness in his Christian faith. And we really weren't quite sure how bold he was being, if he was being bold at all in his Christian sure. faith. Yeah. And and the, the coffee cup story might be relatively small, but I would have never done anything quite like that. Um, and <laughs> right. I figure if, if there I was praying for our son to be more bold, and we've heard a, a few pretty amazing stories about his Christian walk after he died. Well, if he can do that, then surely dad can do
2: that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good example of that is um, we had to have a, we didn't have to, we chose to have a celebration of life out in Seattle, um, actually at Mount Rainier, looking at that mountain. Um, So we were in the park because it was COVID. A lot of people could not make the trip here to Southern Wisconsin Mm -hmm. And we felt it was important for his friends and acquaintances. And we have some friends who live out there who couldn't come this um, during that time.
1: And we had to go out there to go through his apartment.
2: Right. And we had to go out and go through his things. Sure. And so um, at that celebration of life, it struck us how important it was for this non-believing predominantly non-believing community Mm -hmm. um, to hear the gospel. When we met with Matthew's pastor, who, you know, it was a big church and Matthew had just settled into that. I was just beginning to settle into that area. So the pastor didn't really know him well, but he asked us what we wanted him to say. And we said, we want you to give the gospel message. And Mm -hmm. um, for these people, you know, these climbers, these these people to hear. And we wanted them to um, not only know Matthew, but to hear the gospel from this pastor also, who was an avid outdoorsman as well. And during the end of the service, Joe also shared his faith there and strongly encouraged um, people to come and talk to us about, you know, the gospel, about Matthew's life, how he lived it, and this sort of thing. And I don't think that we would have been as comfortable or felt that urgency to express that beforehand. But when you realize how short life is and how the things, the things of life don't really matter. Right. um, That it is about the relationship that we have with people and with God and what we can do in a winsome, but sometimes maybe a little less subtle way to express that love for them and how we know someone who can help them. And we mm-hmm. want them to know the Lord also, and so I, I don't think that we would have been quite so bold or so um, forthcoming.
1: Right. I mean, when you lose a child, especially the way we did, but you don't you don't have to be skiing down a mountain <laughs> to go in a matter of a few seconds. Uh, you can be driving down the highway and be gone. In the matter yeah. of a few seconds, you can um, have some sort of health issue and be gone in days or weeks yeah. or months. You don't know when the Lord's going to call you home mm-hmm. and you want home, <laughs> to be in heaven with Jesus and not the alternative. Yeah. And yeah. we are all sinners. We all fall short of, of the glory of God. And we all need a savior. And God was so gracious in spite of our sinfulness that he actually made a way for us to come to him. And, or be he, him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and he sent his only son to act as that way, to be that way, to, to suffer because of our sins, to die on a cross, but to have that way to come to God. And when you look at everything else in life, where you're going after this life is the only thing that really, truly matters. And we know where Matthew is, yeah. and that's a really neat, neat thing. And and as believers in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we know where we're going. And for me to say something like that in a conversation with a total stranger, that didn't happen before Matthew's death or would have been extremely rare since then. It is becoming more common Mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm not going to worry about what somebody might think (laughs) or Uh if they think I'm nuts. Um, No, I'm not nuts. Um... Hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Carol is not so sure about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, like we prayed for Matthew to be more bold, we're at least trying to be more bold in in our faith.
0: Wow. You know, I have a couple more questions for you, but I'm not sure that I need to ask them. I kind of feel like that's where we need to end our conversation, uh, because there's nothing else you could say that's more important than <laughs> what you just shared. <laughs> Amen. And if our listeners, the people who are listening to this um, podcast today, if that's all they hear of everything that you said, that that's enough. Uh, So thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up?
2: If you haven't made that decision about who your Savior is and where you're going to spend eternity, there's no time like the present because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And if you're listening and you make that decision, I hope you'll send me an email. Uh, My email is in the show notes, and I would love to know about that. We'd love to follow up on that. And I'd love to share with the bunkers if uh, someone makes that decision after hearing their story today. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing, um, for just being so open and honest with your story. Um, I'm so inspired by the idea of a quit-claim deed. Um, You know, um, I know many of us parents have given our children to the Lord, but to actually physically have it in writing is just really something special. So Mm -hmm. your story of the quit-claim deed and Matthew's life and and how you have completely dedicated him to the Lord from the very beginning is something that's going to stick with me for a very long time. And I thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having us. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.